Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. Listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself, Ole, part of Empire Media. Hey, what's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Happy, and also, hold on, happy, uh, hold on, Black History Month, man. Golly, I hate you. Ray, you got me off the wrong, I'm on the wrong, I'm all off, Ray. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate you. Happy Black History Month. Um, Today is... Today is February first, so happy Chinese New Year's to any Yo. of listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, true facts. It is um, Chinese New Year, so yeah, happy Chinese New Year's to that too as well. Respect, man. Respect. What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Hey, um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm moving. Put it that way. How's everybody? How are you all doing? <laughs> I, I, everything's copacetic on this end, Chief. I can't complain, man. Just had a uh, had a good laugh with our friend. Uh, Ray, <laughs> before we started, so you know, I, I can only imagine, man. I can only imagine. I didn't hear the conversation because I was trying to get the show started. It's better yeah, that you I'm, didn't. I'm struck. I'm struggling over here right now. <laughs> Me too, bro. I'm struggling hard. <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit too much, but if I continue this, it's going to be a defamation suit filed against my man. Go hire Davis. Please. Hey, yo, shut up, dude. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. You gonna get Tariq lawyer? Uh, <laughs> he's coming oh, for real. Get method, man. You get method. Yeah, Davis McLean. <laughs> Davis, Davis McLean. <laughs> Y'all crazy. Oh man, this is the best, bro. This is the best. Hey, um, <coughs> like I mentioned, we're on Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com. Empire Media hosts multiple DMV sports shows, uh, podcast shows, excuse me, such as the John Conner Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Football Team. Insider John Kime and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today Insider Mike Jones. Subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. This show can also be found on Podcast DC, the local app with hundreds of options and news, health, and of the DMV region, download the podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as other great content. I like this outline. You get me involved early, boy. <laughs> Don't forget to tweet us at the Urban Sports Scene at Urban Sports Scene on Instagram and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Look, man. Now listen. I told you that last week, man, or the week before last, whatever. And also join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene. Sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T. Let's get into our tradition of pregame. All right, we'll talk about weather. Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about whether the, the uh, whether the Bengals going to the Super Bowl hurts Washington's the Washington hurts Washington football team coach Ron Rivera's five year plan. At eight twenty, we'll debate if the Washington Wizards should trade Bradley Bill. At eight thirty five, we'll talk about the Rams and Bengals advances to Super Bowl fifty six. At eight fifty, we'll talk about Gary Russell Jr. losing to W losing. His WBC featherweight title to Mark 
Maxayo at eight. I mean, at nine o two, we'll give our thoughts on the retirement of Tom Brady. Finally, we'll talk about Brian Flores, former coach of the Miami Dolphins, suing the NFL for racial discrimination. Uh, we'll see. All right. So the Cincinnati Bengals turning turning around their fortunes, um, making it to the Super Bowl fairly quickly. You know, within the uh, the, the quote unquote Joe Burrow. Um, the Joe Barrow regime with Joe Barrow era. Does this change your thoughts on Coach Rivera's five-year plan? Well, let you start. Yeah, um, it just shows how quickly everything can turn around. I know, um, you know, you have a quarterback. Obviously, the thing is going to be having a franchise quarterback. And the, the, and the, 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 the um, Bengals made the right decision. Joe Burrow has been a fine, uh, fantastic quarterback. He's been a lead quarterback for this team. But which is different from other organizations is that uh, about picking the quarterback is that, you know, when we're talking about Ron Rivera's plan, he makes the decisions. So it's not like he's the coach and he doesn't make the decisions. Like he is, it's coach centric. That's the, the whole theme of his regime is coach centric. So he is in play for that. So in terms, so him not getting a quarterback within the last, in, within the first two seasons here in DC, that's his choice, right? He chose to do this. While the Bengals, they went the route of getting the quarterback. Now I know, I mean, I know a lot of folks are like, well, they could have instead of getting Chase Young, they could have got Justin Herbert. A lot of people go that route, but I feel like Chase Young had to be drafted. You know, he was. If you looked at him in college, he fit the part. He's from the area. It's a good move, so I'm not gonna knock it. Um, but yeah, if you pick the quarterback, a good quarterback, you know, your your the process of speed things up tends to, you know, I mean, the, the process is sped up. Excuse me, but you chose to go into seasons with. Cal Allen, Taylor Heineke, um, as your like for, for year two as your starting quarterbacks, and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you chose, you know, that route that you didn't take it heavily in year two after making it to the postseason in year one. So let me. Um, it is what it is. I feel like because he is involved in the process of high, of, of I mean, in, in terms of the front office, then a little bit the five year plan. I'm not for it. You know what I mean. Well, let me ask you guys this. Uh, well, let me ask you this specifically, Ray. All right, we see, we saw, you know, in the 2021 draft how, you know, the Bengals, they already had Joe Burrow. And mm-hmm. coming into that draft, their offensive line, it was, let's be honest, it, it wasn't great. It was, some people will say it was, it was horrendous and it was the reason why Joe Burrow was injured during his rookie year. Um, but they chose Jamar Chase. Do you mm-hmm. think, did this, you know, do you think kind of, because we know the NFL is a copycat league, do you think that the, the game plan or the formula changes, you know, if you have this star quarterback and if you, let's say you don't have the success in season one, that instead of investing in the offensive line, you go out and you get him an elite weapon or one or two to help take him over the top? You're right about it being a copycat league. And to be honest, that's, that that's the possibility that this could happen where a team may try to duplicate the Bengals' success. But I'm going to say no. And going back to the original question, I'm going to disagree a bit with Wole because how I feel is in Washington specifically, they're building a defensive football team. That's the biggest failure this, this franchise and this team had this, season, this past season was the defense did not live up to expectations. And see, when you're building a team, you you have a vision if you're a GM, if you're a coach, and you want to fulfill that vision. I mean, Gruden had his vision before he was let go yeah. in Vegas, and he stayed true to it. And in this case with Coach Rivera, 
his defense has to live up. If his defense lives up to the billing, I don't think the quarterback matters as much. Because really, if you look at the Bengals, the Bengals defense has made the biggest leap in the playoffs. I like Joe Burrow. Of course, I like Jamar Chase. However, Justin Herbert, he's a star quarterback. Well, he just mentioned him. And the Chargers didn't make the playoffs. So if you get a, a, a great quarterback, that doesn't equal success. Aaron Rodgers only won one Super Bowl, yeah. and he's lost a lot in the playoffs. So stick to your plan, which is build a strong defensive team, and then your offense can play off of your defense, running the football, controlling the clock, like you saw during that four-game winning streak. And I think you stick with that. It's just Ron has to get that defense fixed, and he cannot have a, 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 a repeat of what happened this past season. This defense needs to come out with now pieces in place that are familiar with your system and with the guys around them. I believe you stick with the five-year plan, even though I know as a fan of the team, many won't like that. I mean, it just depends on, like, I mean, I think a lot, a lot, a lot's involved in the five-year plan. It's not just a lot, a lot of folks just single out and single the quarterback situation, right? We've debated mm-hmm. this on multiple, multiple occasions about coaching and whatnot, and you mentioned the four-game winning streak. It, it, it doesn't have to be take five. To me, if coached correctly, to your point, and you said this, and you said this within your statement, like, that four-game mm-hmm. window, they're winning. The, they're in the ball games by running the football. Well, because yeah. they were limited to their quarterback play, right? But then they sure. tend to go back to – then you saw when they started going on that slide after the four-game winning streak um, or four or five, whatever, the winning, the winning streak, um, they, they went back – they reverted back to what they were doing in the beginning of the season, which was running – which was throwing the football. And you saw what happened. I, and I've said this before. The, the reason why – in that four-game winning streak, the defense was playing better football. It was because you leaned on the run game. But, again, and all that is in play. Like, to me, it's not – I know a lot of folks just single out the quarterback. It's not just the quarterback. It's a lot, you know what I mean, in terms of – to me, co- to me, and I'm going to say it again. People can hate on me on social media. It's coaching. Mm-hmm. It's quarterback play. It's a lot that's involved. It's offense and defensive coaching. So, if they, co- if they coach together in terms of having this sense of um, – the sense of togetherness in terms of coaching, synergy in terms of coaching, offense, defense, special teams, this team, you would see what, like you saw in that four-game winning streak, they would play a better overall style of basketball in terms of wins. Look at the 49ers. I mentioned the 49ers all the, all the time. Do you, does, does Kyle Shanahan have Jimmy G throw the ball 50 times? No. He's limited. He knows what Jimmy G's about. You know, he knows, and he, that got him to the NFC Championship game. If he threw the ball 50 times with Jimmy G, that defense was, wouldn't be as good because Jimmy G be turned the football over. You know what I mean? So he knows his team. He coaches his team to what he has. That's mm-hmm. a thing for me. When we talk about this five-year window, this five-year plan, yes, they need a quarterback. Guaranteed they need a quarterback. But also, yep. they need to coach right with the team they do have. Well, we we have all of these, and I know I'm going a little bit off script, but I have a follow-up question sure. for you guys. I know we, you know, we talk about the five-year plan, the five-year plan, the five-year plan. Now, we've seen over the past, off this offseason, that most coaches only have two, maybe three years. Going into Ron Rivera's third year, I know, um, Ray, you've been adamant about the team fixing the defense because this is a defensive first team. But <clears throat> where do you see the greatest need for improve? Like, what specific area? Do you see the greatest need for improvement, whether that's offense, defense, play calling, um, offensive line, linebacker? Or what do you see the biggest need for deep, for, for improvement that could take this team over the top, the, the low-hanging fruit? 
Shout out to Bram Weinstein because I'm going to go back to what I've been saying, and that's agreeing with Wole, and that's play calling. Because if you look at what happened in Baltimore, they had a backup quarterback for a substantial part of the season and also an important part of the season, and he played well in relief of Lamar Jackson, I believe. He stepped right in, and he played well. Why? Because what Wole just mentioned, they coached to his ability. And in this situation, Washington was trying to run a style, a, a offensive style that wasn't conducive to the quarterback they had. It's just like when the Wizards tried to make all these acquisitions. You remember when they signed Yon Mahimi, Andrew Nicholson, they were trying to be the Warriors, positionless yeah. basketball. You're not the Warriors because you don't have Steph and Clay. Yes. So <laughs> in this case, it's the same thing with Washington. You don't have the personnel to be a fun and gun off. <laughs> so run the football, play that, that old school style smash mouth football. It's, is play calling because as we saw again, I can't, I hate to keep saying a winning streak when they were winning, they put themselves in a great opportunity going into most of their division games yes. to put themselves in the playoffs and they fell just short, even with all of the issues that we're discussing. So they were that close. And as we saw, dude, the, the San Francisco 49ers, their defense didn't play well for the majority of the season. Their secondary, everybody knew their secondary uh. was banged up and they were, you know, semi suspect. Just not no disrespect to the guys playing, but it's just they weren't good as a unit. However, they played well up front, and that offense knew how to do what? Control the clock and, and, and play keep away, and it worked out. You, they beat high-powered offenses like the Rams oh and the Cardinals. God. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Washington could have done the same thing. Play calling needs to be fixed. Bruh, like our, Offensively, so, especially. Yeah, so to answer your question, Will, to, for this team, because the way they coach the team, the way they coach the team, I would say quarterback, but to Ray, to agree with Ray, yes, play going has to be has to improve. Because I'm gonna use and folks going like they hate hearing it, but it's a fact. The, the Niners have showed you this. That's why I hate the term genius. Like you can't use that term for anybody and say somebody's good because you want him to be good. Like Kyle Shanahan's a genius. Like it is what it is. Like don't like you you gave Kyle Shanahan. Everybody is saying Jimmy G is trash. Everybody is saying Jimmy G is trash. Jimmy G has gotten to the Super Bowl and gotten to the NFC Championship game. Two out of what? Two out of the three seasons, right, of having Jimmy G. So, like, what is your argument about, I mean, in terms of as, as a, in a full season, in a full season. So, what is your argument about, like, so you're telling me that you have Taylor Heineke as your quarterback and you're throwing the ball with him 50 times. You have one of the leading, you have one of the leading, uh, Gibson is up there as one of the leading rushers in the NFL. So you already have an advantage. You have an advantage at back, right? You have that. Um, you saw on the winning streak, if you keep your defense off the field, they can make plays for you, and they are, they're more of an attacking defense that can help you out if, you, if they're rested and if they're off the field. Yo, you see a winning, there is a formula for you. But if you go away from that formula, you're going to make it difficult to win full ball games. Now, if, now, if you're going to coach the way you want to coach without trying to tailor your thing, your stuff to your offense, I mean to your, to your players, then yes, Get a quarterback that suits what you want to do. That's all I'm going to say. Get a quarterback that suits what you want to do because obviously you don't want to coach to which, to the talents of your ball club. That's coaching one-on-one. That's what annoys me It's coaching one-on-one. You coach to your talent. You don't just have a system and say, okay, fit my system. You coach to your talent. I just want to add something, and that's a plea. <laughs> I am making a plea to the Scott Turner fans 
just to be objective. Thank you, bro. <laughs> Wo- 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 Wole and I are both Russell Westbrook fans, but we can't defend <laughs> Russell Westbrook's play. We yeah, can't. When, when he's when he's leading the league in turnovers, we can't defend that. Not at all. Yes. Now we can we can talk about his strengths, which. Russell Westbrook is a former MVP. Russell Westbrook has a resume. That's yes, a different he's got resume. But, but anyway, he's the man got anyway, a resume, bro. <laughs> right, but, but we we will admit when the man when he plays bad or when he's thinking it up. But people who love Scott Turner for what reason? Every at every sense of the moment, they try to defend his play call. Oh, he didn't have the personnel the first year. I just said, okay, I, I'll I'll accept that that the quarterback situation wasn't good. He kind of inherited the Wayne. Blah 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 blah. But this year, he had more of his stamp on who he wanted on the field. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be the guy, but remember, Taylor Heineke is also one of his guys. Yes. So he had time to make adjustments, and actually he did. But, again, like Wole said, he reverted back to what they did wrong to start the season, which was being a pass-heavy offense. So what I'm saying, Scott Turner fans, is come on. You can't argue with the numbers. You can't argue with the production. Just let, let's be honest about the situation and – Let's also let's be vocal about it because what I've seen lately, Scott Turner's been active on social media and yes. he's paying attention to what's being said. Let's put it out there. Yeah. Let's start a dialogue and let's see where it goes. But as long as you continue to law this man to me, that validates the decision making that has been seen thus far, which hasn't worked. Totally agree, Russ. So we uh, posted this, posted the question on on the, um on our social media net, um, platforms. Um, this is on Twitter. At um, I Todd Island tweeted, he's going into it into year three. Uh, so technically, yeah, he has two years to turn around, or he will be commander fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. At uh, at PDC ten ten tweeted uh, tweeted timeline has has been sped up. At Beacox DP tweeted, uh, they better have a major turnaround next year. Um, at DC Tweet Team tweeted that that turned um, that turned around by having a g- generational talent at quarterback in Joe Burrow. One could argue that the Bengals' success is outside the norm. Most first-year QBs take a long take a lot longer than two seasons to experience that level of success. Washington needs a quality signal caller. Yeah, but Justin Herbert's not in the playoffs. There's a lot of quality. We know, but see, Justin Herbert's not in the playoffs. Not playoff, equal the real talk, though. Yeah, you're right, but that's coaching, though, because they could have been in the playoffs. Like that dude. Hey, that's that's yeah, my point. Yeah, it's coaching. Like, yeah, but I know you're right. That's though. exactly my point. Yeah. yeah. Will, it's, it's up to you now, Will. It's your turn <laughs> to read some of this stuff. Read the outline, bro. <laughs> Where's Will at, man? Is he still there? Did we lose Will? My bad. I was on. I was. Uh, no, nah, I was on mute. <laughs> I no, I was trying to clear. No, I was trying to clear my throat. I was waiting. For, I was waiting for a pause, and then I was going to go. Oh yeah, it's all you. Bro. All right. <laughs> to continue reading the tweets, at Jesse twenty four tweeted, "No, they were lucky enough to land a QB." At Bumsky boy tweeted, yeah. "No, <laughs> <laughs> if it was as easy as it seems, since as it, if it was as Maybe. easy as it seems, since he mad made it." No problem. The Jaguars would be going to the Super Bowl next year. At SJoker43 tweeted, finding Burrow is not the norm. There isn't one in every draft. Even if there was, you have to have, you have to be the one to figure out which QB that is. Way too many people think that this is the norm. It's silly to be honest. 
I had Lori Parker 7 tweeted. They forgot to mention that they had back-to-back top five picks, too. If Joe didn't get hurt, they never would have gotten chased in the draft last year. That's a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda. I appreciate the tweet. But all, but also, think about this. Jamar Chase is excellent. But I feel like in a top receiver, McLaurin, you got that here. So quarterback yeah, will be team. dope. Again, yeah. it's just the defense, the team, the coaches staff, they jailed at the right time. That's yep. what Washington needs to do. And on Instagram, Reginald Woodson, we already know he's, he's family. The Bengals have – well, Reg, Reggie said that the, the, the Bengals have regularly drafted pretty well. Marvin's last few years, nearly 40 of 53 players were drafted. Their key players aren't on the sideline in sweats, too. They've drafted two QBs who led into the playoffs, talking about Andy Dalton as well. We're clueless at, at that spot. Five-year on a 15-year plan. We need a capable fixture under center. Uh, that's crazy. Wood, I always know the colorful response. <laughs> no, right? Keep them coming, my brother. I cannot say the word regularly fast. Just letting y'all know now. I try to read that and say it. But anyway, should the Wizards trade start Bradley Bill? You already know how I feel. We'll discuss this after the break. You listen to the Urban Sports Scene on Empire Media. Wole, part of Ampire Media, and that's at AmpireMedia.com. All right, it's been reported that everybody on, <clears throat> excuse me, everybody on Bradley Bills, Washington Wizards team is available. Should the Wizards trade star Bradley Bill? I'm going to say yes. Oh, my bad. I, my bad, Will. I see my name in red, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I, it's, it's funny how you said. Bradley, everybody on Bradley Bill's Washington Wizards oh. team. It's his team. <laughs> like, it is his team, though. He's the only one that, like, I think he has the power to stay. So he, he he's okay with every, he's okay with whoever to get traded. Like, he has that type of power from whatever, from all the reports. So it's his Washington Wizards. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, Ray. <laughs> oh, man, it's all good. What's interesting is, first of all, I'm going to say this, and Wole knows this. Bradley Bill is an awesome dude to talk to in person. Just overall seems like a good dude. We don't know him beyond basketball, beyond the locker room, so to speak. But I appreciate his candid, him being candid. I was getting ready to say that. that. That's why I mentioned him being a good dude because he pretty much just said in the last two seasons, why would I go anywhere else when the Wizards are giving me the keys to the car, the keys to the franchise? I might as well stay here and let – a GM build a team around me as opposed to going to another team where I'm like the second or third option. So he's being real. Like, I know I'm the man here and I want to be the man. However, at the same time, we've seen him as the man and the Wizards are around a, you know, somewhere around a eighth, between the eighth and 11th seed when he's the primary dude on the team that's going to lead you in scoring. 
And I have a source. Ray has a source, y'all, that is saying that it's looking like John Wall 2.0. Remember John Wall played at such a high level, became an all-star, and then his production dipped slightly. Remember Bill's production dipped slightly this season. But Wall had a lot of say in that locker room, and there became some dissension between, okay, who's the star of the team? Is it him or Brad? And ultimately the franchise chose Brad. Now Brad, obviously, he is making his voice be heard. We have heard Dinwiddie try to speak up. It was not welcome. And now, basically, everybody's expendable, and Brad is set for a big payday. Who does that sound like? John Wall, same thing. John Wall was beefing with Otto. He was beefing with Brad. He was beefing with with Gortat, and everybody got shipped out. John Wall was paid a crazy amount of money, and look how that turned out. The Wizards are about to make this same mistake, so I'm going to reiterate. The Wizards need to trade Bradley Bill, and it's only one destination, and that's Philly. That's it. I mean, maybe Brooklyn if Harden was on the block, but Philly wants Bradley Bill. Philly right now is turning down Tyrese Halliburton, who, I mean, just looks amazing. Did you see his game against Philly the other day? De'Aaron Fox was mentioned in a trade also for Bradley Bill, along with Buddy Hill, and the Sixers said no, along with draft picks. The Sixers want Bradley Bill, or they want somebody of his caliber, James Harden, to, to pair along with Joel Embiid. That's the only team I think that when they were, uh, the only two teams would be Brooklyn and Washington that I believe the Sixers, Sixers will make a deal with. And Ben Simmons to me is worth it. You make some other moves. I mentioned it before. Bring in Sabonis as well. If you could, because I know Will T said they probably can, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Bradley Bill needs to move on. So what do you think, Will? Um, so Ray, you threw out an interesting, uh, trade scenario, which is Bradley Bill for Ben Simmons. Um, and for that trade, I would say, hell no, I don't want Ben Simmons here. And, he, and here's why. Um, anytime a guy, uh, can't, when he gets openly criticized by his teammate and his coach, rather than go to the gym, yeah. spend the summer, get better, um, and come back and prove everyone wrong. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that, you know, his mental health is very important and I'm not calling him soft or anything like that, but I have my concerns of if he comes here, how will he handle the scrutiny? Right now, I know that Philadelphia and DC are two totally different sports towns, um, from the perspective of Philadelphia fans, Philadelphia media. They're a little bit more rabid about their sports than we are down here. It's just the truth, you know. W- Fans down here are rabid about football, not necessarily basketball, football and then hockey, I would say. And hockey is more of it's a niche, right? It's people who are specific hockey fans, not the general public. But how would Ben Simmons react to, you know, um, Wole and you uh, tweeting at him <laughs> because he won't he won't take a he won't take a three? What, how, how would that, how, how would that affect him, right? So I, I have my concerns about, you know, if you're going to give up Bradley Bill, um, trading him for Ben Simmons. See, I'm a fan of Ben Simmons, so I don't know. I mean, I think that would be a dope signing for the Washington Wizards. I think Ben Simmons, what he brings to the table is, he brings a lot to the table, in my opinion. Um, he just a, he's just a smart, he's a smart basketball player. So I think if they did get a Ben Simmons, it would be a good, it would be a good, a good signing. I mean, good trade, but I don't know, man. Like, the Wizards have a, a, a difficult situation. There's a lot going on and a lot of players that I feel like 
that they could kind of target. Uh, but Ben Simmons, I mean, if they can get a Ben Simmons, I think he'd be a perfect player, uh, um, ideally, because I just think he's, he's, he's a smart basketball player. It goes to that, for me, a guy who can help you win basketball games. You can make a trade and get Ben Simmons. Like Ray said, they want him. I think if you do get Ben Simmons, you are, you're not able to get like a, what Ray was talking about. If you get Ben Simmons, you're not going to be able to get um, a Sabonis because you got to put all your, all your bags to get a, a Ben Simmons, right? So it's going to be hard to get a Sabonis if you're trading, if you're getting Ben Simmons. Um, but I do think well, I mean, let's, Go ahead. Sorry. you know, the, the, you know, let you guys tell it, you know, you could trade uh, Corey Kispert. Uh, Roy Hachimuri, <laughs> uh, Montrez Harrell, and, and two number ones, and that'll get you some bonus. Hold, hold on, Whoa. let me just say this. When we had that discussion, <laughs> we had that discussion Kyle Kuzma at the time was not on the block, but now everybody's on the yeah, block. Everybody's on the block. Kyle, trust me, Kyle Kuzma is somebody who has earned <laughs> his way to be a high commodity on the trade market. Yeah, trust true. me, when he's balled this year. So you add Kyle Kuzma that Sabonis is still in play. It depends on what Daryl Morey is asking for along with Brad. That's the key. Because if it's Brad, one other player, and two draft picks, you can still get Sabonis. But Daryl Morey is, is off the chain with what he's asking for. He's trying to make it harder for Clutch Sports and Ben Simmons. It's just a personal vendetta at this point. I, I think I, I do agree with you, Ray. I do think it, part of it at this point is this kind of um, I won't be bullied. You know, um, when it comes to Daryl Moore, he's like, no, I'm not going to be bullied. You're not going to dictate the, the terms of your, of your trade or where you're going to go. You're going to get traded on my timeline. And if you ask me, he's making a huge mistake because Joel and B, we all know he's had his issues with his knees and his back. He's having an MVP season, season carrying the Sixers by himself. <laughs> You need to make a trade and get rid of Ben Simmons now because you don't know how big, how long this window is going to last. With Bradley Bill, playing like he, that. Bradley <laughs> Bill, be awesome in Philly. Bradley yeah. Bill be perfect for Philly. I think so. You ask me. I think so. I Full think. Harden, I Harden think. too, because Harden can pass. His, Harden is like one of the best passers in the league. I mean, Harden is. Uh, Harden well, is, I think that's what. Go ahead, Will. I think that's where Harden's going to go anyway. Go to the Sixers, right? I think it'll go to the Sixers. Yep. I, I can see that. All right, so on Instagram, Daryl uh, posted. Um, he, he said, uh, "said Yes, the team sh- shows they they work as a team be- um, better without him." Talking about Bill, he's a turnover machine. Right now, they don't necessarily they don't necessarily they don't necessarily need a star. A, a McCullum type player may be enough. I like CJ McCullum. I think he, I think CJ McCullum is so underrated. I, I actually think. He's a good one-on-one player. I love CJ. I like CJ McCullough's offensive game. I've always said that. Um, South, Ray, you know the homie South. South says it's not Bill. It's the coach and 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 a lack of another person who can score. Come on, South. Come on, bro. You ain't seen Kyle. Kyle Kuzma has been killing this Oh, he's been killing There's other people that can score, South. It's, it's not. It, Brad is clearly part of the issue. Because of his ball dominant style, he's a ball stopper. Yeah, he's he's like a he's like a lower version of Melo when when he's high volume shooting. Yeah, I agree. I, I I do agree with that. I do think that. I mean, Brad just Brad turns ball over a lot, man. That too, he does turn, especially especially in game and clutch situations. He he definitely turns the ball over. Y'all how y'all wouldn't like CJ McCullough here before we go to break? Before Will takes us to break, y'all wouldn't like CJ McCullough. I'll I'll be fine with that. CJ McCullough here? Yeah, and then trade for Bradley Bill? Uh, I, I have my, I don't know. I, I don't, 
I don't see CJ McCullough as the type of guy. And Bradley Bill hasn't proven this either, right? Yeah. The type of guy who could put a franchise on his back and help your team get to 48, maybe 50 wins. Uh-huh. And I think ultimately if Washington is going to make, make a trade, uh-huh. <clears throat> now I'm, I'm not necessarily in favor of a Ben Simmons, bringing yeah. a Ben Simmons in, uh-huh. but if you can't get an a all-star <laughs> An all-star player who can lead this franchise, you might as well blow it up. Mm. I will say this though. Re- I will say this though about CJ. He's way more clutch than Bradley Bill. I'll give you that. I'll definitely give you that. You know what I mean? So, all right. <laughs> Speaking of clutch, the Rams and the Bengals are advancing the Super Bowl Fifty Six. We'll talk about last weekend's conference championship games after the break. It's the Urban Sports Scene on Empire Media. That's EmpireMedia.com. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Corner piece, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition flow inside my DNA. I was born like this, it's born like this, immaculate conception. I transform like this, perform like this, which shells you a new weapon. I don't contemplate, I meditate, then off your, off your head. This that puts the kids to bed. This that I got, I got, I got, I got realness. I just kill shit, cause it's in my DNA. I got millions, I got riches building in my DNA. I got dark, I got evil that rot inside my DNA. I got off, I got trouble, some heart inside my DNA. I just win again, then win again, like Wimbledon, I serve. Yeah, that's him again, the sound that engine in is like a bird. You see fireworks and carpet tire skirt, the boulevard. I know how you work, I know just who you are. See, use it, use it, use it. Your arm on Charlie, switch inside your DNA. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself, Wole, part of Empire Media at AmpireMedia.com. All right, fellas, the, the AFC Championship game was this past weekend, of course, in the Cincinnati Bengals upset the arrogant Kansas City Chiefs 27-24. <laughs> Will T, what were your thoughts of a comeback victory on the road at Arrowhead against Eric B. Enemy and Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I was shocked, to be honest with you. You know, um, when I was watching that game, you know, when they went at 21-3, I actually turned the game off for a little while because I was like, oh, they're about, they're about to steamroll these guys. It's, you know, there's no way that um, with this offense and the way that the defense had been playing over the past couple of weeks, making just enough stops. That Cincinnati would be able to come back, but um, for some reason, I I turned the game back on. I think right before halftime, and then when, um, you know, when when they went for that, I think it was like fourth and two with five seconds left, and he threw that pass to Tyreek Hill, and they didn't get the field goal. I just felt as if um, maybe something was, you know. I'm, I'm going to use your word, uh, Wale. Momentum started to shift <laughs> towards uh, the bank. <laughs> Excuse me, Ray. Use your favorite word, Ray. Momentum started to shift back towards the Bengals. And, um, you know, they ultimately made a comeback. Uh, the reason why, Kansas, in my opinion, why Kansas City lost was the, the lack of aggression and the lack of the ability to make 
changes in game when Cincinnati kind of got a, a feeling or a better understanding of what they were trying to do offensively. Yeah, um, I, t- t- I think there was some arrogance. I definitely agree. I think there was definitely some <laughs> arrogance there. Um, you know, 21, was it 21, what, three? What's the score yeah. at a time? Yep. Um, yeah, you could tell they were feeling themselves. You know, you could definitely tell. You could see it. Um, I think Tyreek Hill was, you know, feeling themselves. I think it was dogging Eli, um, Eli Apple because I, I, on Twitter, he was talking big trash about, uh, Tyreek Hill and, um, and, uh, what's the name of the other dude with the fast receiver? It's a Hardman. Miko Harvey. Yeah, Miko Harvey. Yeah, he was, he threw some shade at him on, on social media about, you know, them advancing and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I mean, but again, it's still no excuse to lose that lead. Um, you have, you know, argued, I mean, to a lot of people, the best quarterback in the game right now. Um, I know that that's shortening, right? Like that, that lead is shortened a little bit with, uh, you got Joe Burrow, um, you got, uh, uh, Justin Herbert, a couple other guys. I'm talking about the young, the young core folks. Um, but, and, uh, and Josh Allen, but you had a big lead at home. You're supposed to close it out. You know what I mean? Regardless of how high powered the Bengals' offense is, and you got to give credit to the defense. The defense, cause they made adjustments at halftime to to hold down Pat Mahomes. And to be real with you, and I think we all keep it real about the Kansas City Chiefs throughout this season, and even Patrick Mahomes, this hasn't really been his best season. He, now he's been on stretches of of good play. I think towards the end of the season, but. If we look at the totality of the season, this hasn't been the best season for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, totally. What I compare this Kansas City Chiefs team to is the the Rams, the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show and turf team, because they only won one Super Bowl, but they were so fun to watch, they were so hard to stop, but yet they only won the one Super Bowl. And Kansas City eliminated now, losing this big lead. The biggest comparison between these two teams is arrogant. I was watching a Tom Brady special, you know, Tom Brady retired, of course, they're showing all these highlights of his career, these different specials. And Willie McGinnis was talking about how the Rams beat the Patriots that year early in the season, St. Louis Rams, and Torrey Holt was talking big trash. Like, they were just arrogant. And they're like, all right, we see you again. We're going to get you. The Bengals beat, the Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season, came from behind and beat them, and yet Kansas City kind of blew them off, like, you know, whatever. And they started out this playoff game, of course, punching the Bengals in the mouth, and they started that arrogant stuff up. And Cincinnati, like, now nah, we've seen this movie before. We know we can come back, and that's exactly what they did. They became the tougher team. The finesse team went home. The tough team moved on. Nice. And Patrick Mahomes is not Kurt Warner. He's younger, and he's more mobile. He has a stronger arm. He should be winning multiple championships. Andy Reid better not lose this window, man. I'm telling you, man, because you might not necessarily get back to the Super Bowl. We know how hard it is, and we know Justin Herbert, he's coming along. The the Buffalo Bills are coming. The Buffalo Bills should have been in that yeah, game. Yeah, for real. It's, ama- it's, yeah, it's for amazing real. How, 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 how much of a fine line it is for you to be either here or there. I, I mean, Tennessee could be there. There's so many teams that were almost there. So – there's no given that Kansas City is going to find themselves back in this position, yeah. and they blew it. Period. Yes, yeah, it's, it's you. You make an interesting point, Ray. Um, Andy Reid, you know, um, even <laughs> though you know the stench has kind of gotten off of him because he's won that Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, he that. had that history in Philadelphia of going to four straight uh, NFC Championship games before he finally got to the Super Bowl, and then he lost to the Patriots. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for him. Um, and if that window is gone, because, you know, you, you do have those young quarterbacks emerging in the AFC with Josh Allen, Joe mm-hmm. Burrow, and Justin Herbert. Yeah. So, but um, let's take a pause for the calls. You're listening to the <laughs> Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media. That's EmpireMedia.com. Now let's talk about the, Let's shift to the NFC Championship game. In the NFC Championship game, the L.A. Rams defeated the San Francisco 49ers 20-17. to what are your thoughts? I'm going to give an opinion. I'm not even going to give a real thought. Yeah. I'm just going to say this. I'm happy for Sean McVay because they went all in and they brought in Matthew Stafford. And they also, midseason, they bring in Von Miller. These guys showed that they felt like they could win this year with just a few additions. Uh-huh. And the guys on the team bought in. They had their ups and downs, but they, they got through it. When you overcome the obstacles of a long, grueling season, where you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have adversity, especially because you play in arguably the second strongest division in the NFL. When you got the Cardinals, when you got the Niners, where you have Russell Wilson, who's a champion, Pete Carroll. That's a tough division, and you won that division. And then you had to overcome a team that swept you during the regular season. So just shout out to Sean McVay. It's so good to see it work out for him when so many. Other coaches like John Gruden, like Ron Rivera, you saw their plans did not work out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I like about the Rams, man. I said this before, and people, it is like their organization goes all in. They they're, they're not worried about draft picks. They go all in. Like Ray, you mentioned, we need a quarterback. We need an upgrade from Jared Goff. Okay, we're going Matthew Stafford. We need a wide receiver. I mean, along we just we want, we need we need to add more weapons. Okay, let's get Odell Beckham. We don't really need him. Let's go mm-hmm. Odell Beckham. Um, Von Miller. Let's go Von Miller. A couple years ago, Jalen Ramsey. Let me get Jalen Ramsey. Like they always, they they got even year before, even before that, they got Dominic Suit. Like they always re up. Like they're mm-hmm. cool with reing up using trades via free agency. It's the same thing. Like you know, like this organization. And I'm gonna use Washington as an example. Anytime you they they hire they get a a high a high powered free agent a guy who did it before or a guy who has a well known name people cringe right because oh you're not doing it the right way you're doing it through preseason I mean doing it through um, free agency you're not doing it through the draft or whatever organically right but the Rams what I like about the Rams they say screw that we don't care about the look we don't care about the optics we try to win a championship all we want to do is win a championship and we fall on our face we fall on our face if you said we went we went all in for for uh, Stafford and we don't make it. All right, we'll deal with the consequences later. But they don't care. They they go all in every year. Every year, if you got a player that's out there that somebody is crying about their prior situ their situation and their they they got ability or you know what I'm saying or somebody trying to phase this player out, they're like, you know what? We still think you got it in you. We want you. We'll take you. It's a, it, they do it every year, man. Like you got to give them credit. Even they did it. They did the same things with. Uh, with the cornerback now in Baltimore and Peters. Like, they do this every year. If you're out there, if you're available, they're calling. You made an interesting point, Wole, um, about uh, what the Rams' kind of strategy for uh, ensuring that they'll be competitive and be competing for championships. And it's interesting because L.A. is a town, we know, a town of stars, right? Mm-hmm. People want star power. that And that – and this um, L.A. Rams team has star power with Matthew Stafford on offense, Cooper Cup, um, Odell Beckham Jr., and on defense with Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, and the great Aaron Donald. Yeah. Um, some teams, you know, you know, some teams aren't able to 
you know, as you said, some, you know, this team here, they tried, they tried to replicate that formula with getting star players. You know, there was a period, you know, we, we can all remember when there was a period in time yeah. where this team would dominate, um, after the Super Bowl yep. up until, um, pre, up until, um, training camp. Yep. You facts. know, they were always the offseason champs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think in a town like LA, you have to do that. Mm. Because I don't, I don't necessarily think that the football fans are passionate about the Rams. They're not, and we know that they're not. Yeah, we, they're not <laughs> passionate about the Rams, and they love star power. So they, so they have to continue to bring in stars mm. in order to continue to fill it to fill up that stadium. So it'll be interesting to see because they they clearly leveraged all of their first round picks. I think until for a minute, bro. If I'm not mistaken, 2020, 2027, <laughs> If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Um. So they don't have any, but their, their front office does an amazing job, kind of filling in the gaps, though. Yeah. Like whether that's signing, um, undrafted free agents and late and late round picks. You can do you can do that. You can use this. Excuse me. You can use that strategy when you have a front office that can evaluate talent and. And pick talent and get the right players in to fit that coach's system. There you go. That's the per- that's the perfect thing, right? You just said, Will, to fit that coach's system. Like mm-hmm. you have a like you got Von, like when you when you have Aaron Donald, you can get a Von Miller, right? Like you can get a Von, even if you think Von Miller is going is in the in the late stages of his career. If you think that you have Aaron Donald who is going who demands a t- a double triple team, so life is going to be much easier for Von Miller. Um, Odell Beckham. Like, I, you, you look at what, um, Woods was doing and still, Woods was, was still with the, he was there when Odell Beckham was there, but you know that, all right, I have two top tier, I have two really good wide, I have one elite wide receiver in, in Cooper Cup and a top tier receiver, a good number two in Woods, in Robert Woods, and now I'm adding Odell Beckham. It's going to be easier for Odell Beckham. He's going to get single coverage. Like you, Matthew Stafford is a good deep ball, deep, deep ball thrower. So you have now Odell Beckham with that. Cooper Cup, him and Cooper Cup had just like vibed each other tremendously. So it's just like a lot. You have so many. You you bring in the right players, like, and even if they were like older, right? So that's use that term, older. It's still a perfect fit. Yeah, you know, <clears> so, like I said, you know, it'll be interesting to see how long they're able to keep this up. Um, but for now, you know that 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 strategy's you know it's got them to the Super Bowl, and now they're able. They'll be the second team in NFL history to host a Super Bowl, to play in and host a Super Bowl. Yeah, they have the worst home field advantage though, because everybody wins. Every every visiting team, I swear, has more fans than them. Yeah, I think it's going to be like that for them and possibly Vegas. Yeah, Vegas definitely. It's a tourist. It's a tourist. It's a, it's a tourist <laughs> place. Definitely Vegas. Definitely yep. Vegas. I mean, it's starting to turn that. It's starting to turn into that here. Yeah. Oh yeah! De- oh here! Oh yeah! Starting? What you mean starting? It's here. <laughs> <laughs> we they, see a, a a lot of t- fans from out of town yeah. kind of taking over the stadium and rooting on their team, and it seeming as if and and totally taking away the home field advantage. Oh yeah, they lost that, bro. We, they lost that a long time ago. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. Bay Ray, you take us to the break. Man. Well, hey family, <laughs> if you're not aware, we're going to be going overtime tonight. We're talking Tom Brady's retirement. But before we get there, WBC former featherweight title holder, Gary Russell Jr., should he retire? Should he follow Tom Brady's footsteps? <laughs> we'll discuss this after the break. You're listening to Urban Sports Scene, Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com. 
Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Edo Kuja with a triumphant comeback. More But tonight, don't call it a comeback. Listening to the urban sports scene with Ray Jeezy, Will Team, myself, Wole, part of Ampire Media at ampiremedia.com. Mm. <laughs> I guess it's on me then. <laughs> Duh! Last week. <laughs> Awkward <laughs> silence. Go ahead. <laughs> Sometimes a little bit of silence is cool, man. Yeah, Look, man, you're right. Sometimes you, it is. <laughs> Ray, Ray, you can attest to this. You're married. Sometimes you know you found the right people in your life because you can share some silence with them, right? Watch Ray. I'm so lost, but go ahead, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Last Mother- week. Ho-ho-ho. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Okay, no. All right. Oh, man. I can't. I can't. Last week, Mark Masayo upset Gert. Upset Gary Russell Jr. to become the WBC featherweight champion. What are your thoughts on the fight, Ray? Oh man, I'm I'm so all over the place on this because I, I just I just thought about it um, before the break or during the break. You you had said, "Dang, Ray, you retiring, Gary?" And I was like, "Of course not." But I know during the fight, I had tweeted or and or texted you guys and said he should just retire and pour his you know energy into Antoine, who is clearly the up and coming fighter, a little younger. And just looks to be the one who's gonna who, who's going to go out there and get the big fights and win these big fights, as opposed to Gary. For whatever reason, Gary could not land a, land a big fight. So I would be okay if he did. I don't think, based on how he lost his fight and based on the circumstances leading up to the fight, of course we know he was injured. And the reason why he fought is because a what I was told from his camp is that. He hasn't had a paycheck in two years. He had to do this. It wasn't no ifs, ands, or buts. And the WBC told him, you're going to be stripped if you don't fight. We don't care if you're injured or not. Apparently, he's fallen out of favor with PBC because he's spoken out against Floyd Mayweather. So basically, he was backed into a corner like, dude, we are empathetic to what you're going through. But your inactivity started way before your family issues. So you need to defend this title. And Gary was like, you know what? Fine. I'll do it. Plus. I got to get paid. So he went out and did what he had to do. Now, with that being said, my thought on the fight, and I'm sorry for not necessarily answering the question directly, but for a man with one arm, that brother, Maxayo, showed me nothing. I felt as though Gary Gary won some rounds, and it's just because of this show box and compu box. And, I mean, even the commentators seem slanted. I mean, so 
I just felt like the odds were just too stacked with the brother passing, his father, the injury. You got the PBC and Showtime against you and the WBC. He couldn't have won the fight. With two good arms, Gary Russell would have won that fight. And from what I heard, even the King Tough fight, the PBC wanted him, or not PBC, I'm sorry, WBC wanted him to lose. But because he controlled the fight for what, the first eight rounds, there was nothing that the judges could do. I mean, I'm serious. When I talk about corruption and how um, he's fallen out of favor uh, across the board. So he fought an awesome fight. Ring generalship was off the chain. But at the end of the day, I still feel like he lost because he only had one arm. He didn't land enough. But, again, Max Sayo did not beat him. He didn't take it from him. Yeah, I, I, I was annoyed at the fight because I guess the, the I mean, after the fight, you know, Max Sayo was like, I hurt his arm. Like, bro, you hurt his arm. Don't, don't lie. Like, don't do that. I hate when people boxers take credit for stuff they didn't do. Like, Freddie Roach said the same thing. Yeah, like, that annoyed me. Like, he didn't. Like, like, and then he, like you said, Ray, he pretty much, like, he won a couple, a few rounds just off mm-hmm. of one hand, with one hand. And, like, I was saying, like, I remember just doing the cards. I was like, it's close to what people, like, these dudes are saying. And I just felt like, you, and I said, like, these dudes seem real biased. It's like they all, they're exaggerating every punch that McSayo had, but they, but every, everything, like, even the punches didn't go through. They were exaggerating it. And when and Gary, big time. when Gary was hitting them clean, they just ignored it. Like, it was, it was like little pot shots, boom, boom. But they were, the only person that, um, that, um, recognized it was, uh, what's his name? Abner Murray. Yes, yeah. yeah, only one who recognized it. And I was like, yo, like, what are y'all doing? But, I mean, when you look at the car, it is what it is. Like, he had one hand and he lost. One arm and he lost. And I said, like, yeah, you know what? He lost, like, the last, I think the last, to me, the last three rounds were it for me. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, he, he's not winning. He's not active enough. Right. And it was over. Like, but for a while, I was like, yo, it's way closer than what y'all, what y'all saying. Like, all Gary got to do is win, like, this round, the next two rounds. And I think he wins the fight. But mm-hmm. he just wasn't active enough. And, and it was still close. And it was still close. And that's what I was telling folks on, like, social media who were like, Oh man, dude, beat Gary. I was like, dude, with one, you're taking pride when he beat him with one arm. He beat him like one arm and he got it 114 to 114. Like it was 115, mm-hmm. 113 on two judges' cards when dude fought yep. with one arm for, for predominantly most of the fight. Like, like you said, Ray, dude didn't even take advantage of it. Dude was like, didn't show me nothing. Like his, ne- the next big fight he has, I don't think he's winning. And it's not, a, it just, it is what it is. Like, I think he's limited. Uh, but, he's fighting Ray Vargas. He's fighting Ray Vargas. Yeah, he's been ordered so, to fight. Yeah. So I think he's limited. Um, but in terms of, you know, the fight, I, I was annoyed because I just felt like, I know if I'm Gary, I'm thinking like, yo, I lost to this dude and I had one arm and then folks are going to try to write me off. And then obviously, like you said, the beef with PBC um, and Al Heyman. So it's it, it sucks, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, he had to go out. He went out there and he did show toughness. Again, to go, on, go out there with one arm and to, to show to me, one thing you did—he did lose, but you did—he did show the world that he can box, man. He just—he is like he's a boxer, you know what I mean? Like, and like Will talks about the sweet science. Obviously, like he has that down. It's just—it's unfortunate that the dude's not as active as we all want him to be. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm gonna just talk about the things I know and I kind of saw. Yeah, right? go, like, go Will. Um, you, you do that, bro. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, because it, it, cause Ray, you brought up a couple of interesting tidbits, you know, when you were making your points of, with regards to kind of the politics and boxing. Um, so one of the things that I do know, and I actually sent you guys the story because it seemed a little odd to me, 
was that, you know, before the fight, Jerry Russell Jr., he kind of alluded to or called out that he had an injury mm-hmm. going into the fight. And, th- and that, that was odd to me because you typically don't hear of a boxer alluding to, hey, I've had this injury prior to a fight. You know, you often hear about that after the fight, whether they win or lose, you hear about that. So that that's one of the things that, A, that kind of struck me as kind of odd. The second thing is, <clears throat> um, and Wale, you spoke about this, how close the fight really was. I, I believe, Gary, he had that injury to his arm in the second or fourth, third. Fourth, like fourth, fourth round. Fourth, fourth, yeah. fourth round, yeah. Um, excuse me. Thank you, Ray. The fourth round. And you could clearly see, you know, him wince, and you clearly saw his ability. You know, he's pretty much stopped throwing a jab. Uh-huh. But um, what he was able to do was he was able to avoid a lot of the punches that Masayo threw, and a lot of um, whether he, you know, made Masayo uh, hit air or Masayo was just hitting his shoulders and hitting his elbows or hitting his gloves. Um, but you know, if you, and I, and this is, and I really didn't listen to the announcers. I, I kind of turned the volume, <laughs> I turned the volume down, um, because that's just how I like to watch boxing. Cause I don't want to hear, <clears throat> I don't want to be swayed by an announcer. Um, and if the punch, you know, and if it is a punch that hits or lands hard enough, you'll definitely see the reaction from that fighter, whether it be, um, spit, sweat or anything kind of, um, you know, fly off of their body. But one of the things that kind of struck me was from that fourth round on, Maxayo wasn't able to dictate the pace of the fight, mm-hmm. meaning um, he wasn't able to clearly and effectively, you know, cut the ring off and get and get Gary um, Russell in, in danger when he had him in the corner. But Gary was able to avoid those shots and throw a straight right that will often connect. And you can tell it could, it could connect from the um, facial expression and body and, and um, body expression of Masayo. Um, having said that, I still had Gary losing by one point, uh-huh. um, particularly, um, I believe it was rounds 10 and 11, to me, is when the fight was lost for Gary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Browns 10 and 11, that's when McSayo started to take over, um, and actually land some effective punches. But, uh, I know that Ray, you stated that, uh, McSayo, he, um, he has, he already has a a mandatory, but I'm wondering, would McSayo say, Hey, I want to run that back with Gary Russell Jr. Right? Because there'll be, It'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of the reaction from Mixayo going forward because everyone knows you clearly beat, you know, you, you won that fight, but you you won it against a one-armed boxer and a guy who, if he had two healthy arms, would have beaten you. So it'll be interesting to see, one, would Mixayo be interested in giving Gary Russell Jr. a rematch? Two, would the PBC, because, you know, from things that are being reported and kind of floated out there, um, PBC, uh, Gary Russell Jr. not being in the favor of the PBC at this time, would they allow for a rematch, right? Because they, I'm pretty sure they're the manage, they um, promote or manage um, Mark Masayo. And three, you know, 
if a not if, but when Gary Russell Jr. comes back, does he decide to go back? Does he decide to go to one thirty and take on some of the more lucrative and higher exposure fights that are there for him, one thirty or one thirty five at one thirty or one thirty five? So that's all I have. Well, we posted this question on our social media platforms on Instagram. I don't know who said this, Wole, but oh. somebody said he should only press on if his heart is 100% in it. Oh, what? And he still wants to compete as a prize fighter. Uh, told y'all on my last visit, I guess this is Wood. That's what I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah, brothers on YouTube act like only top rank does brothers wrong. But for some reason, Gary wasn't able to get the bag with the Santa Cruz or Davis fight for multiple years. At least Bug got a twenty million got to twenty million dollars while not getting the big fight. That's an excellent point. But what's crazy that is after the fight, one thing that Russell's um, camp pointed out was that Gary could have easily, when a doctor examined him, y'all remember, right after he got injured, he could have he could have quit there and said he couldn't fight no more, and he would have retained. And he still would be champion. And the PBC and the WBC, everybody, the sanctioned bodies would have been pissed. <laughs> because, see, Gary is getting blamed also because they're saying he didn't take fights that we offered. He, he wanted Tank. Tank wasn't going to take the fight. He wanted Santa Cruz. Al wasn't going to give you Santa Cruz. He wanted um, Haney. Al wasn't going to give him Haney. There wasn't enough money or, uh, you know, accor- according to some of the experts, there wasn't enough interest in the fight, although we know amongst boxing fans there was. But anyway... I mean, I kind of agree with that. I feel like Gary should have took the Errol Spence route. Just fight who they put in front of you. You know, I would even sign with Eddie Hearn. He was saying it was BS money. But he wanted to be a free agent. So it's some mistakes that he 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 made, just in my opinion. But I know Gary would definitely uh, refute that and say, you know what, nah, the, the the WBC and the PBC, all these people have been working against me. Because he said the Ray Vargas fight fell through just because they scheduled him to fight somebody else. So it's a lot that went into it. But I will agree, he fought on like a warrior because – that's who he is. He didn't quit and retain and get the payday like he could have, which would have been the easiest thing to do. And all the real boxing, you know, pundits know it. Um, you, you got Sean Porter that came to his defense. You got Andre Ward that came to his defense saying pretty much he fought with one off and damn near won and McSayo didn't take the fight. Freddie Roach is delusional, but you know what? They want the next Pacquiao. That's what, that's what the media wanted. Oh my God. Anyway. Dang. <laughs> Speaking of somebody who did actually retire, I, I hinted at it earlier. The great Tom Brady has officially retired. We're going to discuss this after the break. Are we going to still going to take a break? I don't know. Yeah, let's, 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 let's grab the break. Thing. Let's grab the break, bro. You know. What I'm okay, let's, let's grab, grab the break. break. I, I already know Wole's playbook. I'm getting yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, my man, my man. Hey, Will, just just just, just take we'll us see. home, bro. Take us home, bro. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady has officially retired from the NFL. What comes to mind when you think of Tom Brady? Ray? Okay, so I've been giving long-winded answers without giving an actual answer. This <laughs> What's whole wrong show. with you, bro? <laughs> and it's so, it's so difficult because, like, Tom Brady, I feel like, again, when he got to Tampa, you got to see more of his personality come out. Yeah. But if you rewind to the start of his career, Tom Brady was so humble and just so eager to learn. Man. And, I mean, he pretty much followed Drew Bledsoe everywhere. So he desired to be great, and he achieved it, although as he – Acknowledges some luck went into it, including the tuck rule, including <laughs> the the Chargers fumbling away at interception. So much went in his favor. Um, it's amazing, but you still got to respect the man being in that position to win a Super Bowl so many times. So there's not much more you can say except he dedicated himself to football and to being great, and he achieved it. 
and it's great to see him now move on on his terms because he was right there in the thick of it again this season with a team that was depleted. Yeah, Tom, Tom, yeah, right. yeah, Tom Brady is like so polarizing to me because I do I acknowledge him as the GOAT of quarterbacks. I do. I'm not going to even play it off. Like, I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan, but I'm real. Like, he's the GOAT of quarterbacks. That's what it is. That's what he is, and that's who he is. Um, but like Ray said, like, that's a lot of lucky stuff he got, he got, he got from <laughs> England, bro. Like, that tuck rule, he just stole Charles Woodson's Super Bowl ring. Uh, like, um, some of the calls that the Patriots get, like, the Patriot way, you know, and being blessed to be with Bill Belichick, regardless of what people say, who, who's, who's what, but you're still with Bill, Bill Belichick, one of the best defensive minds, um, one of the best, one, the GOAT of coaches. He is. He's, to me, he's the coaching GOAT right now. Of, of, uh, if we look at GOATs of coaching, he's it. Um, so you were, t- you were, t- you were teamed up with that because we saw what Bill Belichick did with a, with a rookie quarterback, um, non-COVID, cause I think a lot of people went non-COVID with a rookie quarterback, non-COVID. Um, and he, and he took his team to the postseason. Um, but going to Tampa, uh, you know, seeing a great opportunity to win a championship and probably be one of the more talented teams he's had over his, his career with, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cause there's one thing about Tom Brady and we all could say this offensively speaking. Um, not as a team, not as a, t- a whole team, but offensively speaking, he never really needed the best wide receivers in the world to win. You know what I mean? Like he ran, he had a particular style. He won with limited, like Dion Branch, other than like, you know, Dion Branch, other than, I mean, when he left New England, he wasn't the same. We know Randy Moss, but I'm talking about the other guys like Wes Welker. Um, when they met Tom David Brady, Patton. yeah, David Patton. When they met Tom Brady, mm-hmm. they became better. They became good receivers. You know what I mean? Like no. Edelman, like who, what was Edelman before Tom Brady? Like, it's, it is what it is. So he's one with, to me, you know, not the best talent, talent in term, in, in a wide receiver core. So he's the GOAT. I give him credit when credit's due. When I think of Tom Brady, I think of a dude who gets away with a lot, man. Like, the dude will yell at referees all the time and, like, not get a personal foul. It was funny though, he got one this year though, which I was, I was so happy in the playoffs. He got a personal foul for yelling at an official. And to me, he is too, like, he gets away with murder with yelling at officials. I think he is the most rudest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. I feel like I'm hating on Tom Brady a lot right now. But he, with congratulations, he's the GOAT, whatever. I had to be real about Tom Brady. I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan. Will, what did it come um, to? No, I'm just going to say, um, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go on for too long, but I, <laughs> I want to congratulate him on a, um, on a career, you know, that we, that most people live a lifetime in. Sports fan live a lifetime and never actually get to see a guy um, compete at that level of greatness and achieve at that level of greatness in any sport, um, especially football and at the quarterback position. That's one. Um, two. Um, damn, lost my brain freeze for a second. Oh, uh, number two. Um, it's interesting to you know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see to hear, you know, some of those stories that kind of come out, because the stories always come out yeah. about guys and kind of them as a teammate and their level of competition. So I'll be interested to hear those type of those type of stories about Tom Brady. And three, um, what was interesting, if you read his announcement, was he didn't mention uh, Tampa, I mean, New England at all um, <laughs> during his, his press release. So I don't know if he still has some bad blood towards Bill Belichick or um, anything like that, but um, he'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of his transition away from football and what comes next for him. You know, will it be the healthy nutrition TB12 route or will he try to 
you know, get into some type of ownership group or something like that. So I, I just want to, it'll be interesting to see kind of that next level of, uh, of his progression and how, what he does away from football. So we posted the same, posted the question, uh, what comes to mind when you think of Tom Brady on Twitter, um, at TH3 Art of War, um, tweeted, the greatest cheater of all time. Seriously, he has too much scandal behind his career, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's New England. Okay. They, they all are. They all have like it's the New England way. You ain't cheating. You ain't trying. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm not gonna say cheating, <laughs> but if you aren't pushing the boundaries, yeah, that's better, right? Of what's legal. If you aren't going right towing that line and saying of what's legal and what's illegal, then you know. You aren't, you aren't, you aren't, you know, doing it kind of the New England way. True. All right, the, well, the perceived New England way. Facts, facts. Okay. All right, let's go into you know something that was like that broke um, later today. Um, Brian Flores, so former earlier Miami, today, earlier today. Like, sorry, earlier today. Thank you, thank you for correcting my man. Earlier today, former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL for racial discrimination. Will T, your thoughts, my man? Uh, first thought is. If he had any desire to be an NFL coach, that's pretty much gone out the window now. Um, so in the NFL and the 32 teams. Um, but I took a little bit of time and I kind of read, I read some of the highlights of yeah. his, um, lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting ones was a, he included a text from Bill Belichick, a string right? of text conversation. Yeah. With, for, with Bill Belichick. And it was interesting how, um, Bill Belichick kind of, you know, I thought he thought he was break, reaching out to uh, Brian Dable, but he, you know, uh, text Brian Flores. And from those texts, it seems as if Brian Dable had the job um, before, you know, Brian, they had already, the, the Giants had already decided on Brian Dable three days before Brian Flores went in for the interview. Um, so that was interesting. Two, um, the conversation that he had with Stephen Ross, when Stephen Ross offered him an extra hundred, I don't know if he was playing or yeah, whether was yeah. it, where he was serious, you know, um, offered him a hundred thousand dollars for every loss, um, because he wanted to get the top pick. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know if that top pick, whether he wanted Joe Burrow or, you know, Justin Herbert or, mm-hmm. or maybe he wanted Tua, or maybe he thought he had to get the top pick to get Tua. Yeah. Um, so I found that interesting. And three, um, you know, um, some people will say Brian Flores is filing this lawsuit because he's mad because he was possibly unjustly fired and he wasn't able to get a second opportunity. One of the second opportunities that one of these franchises, uh, that he preferred, Uh but um, a guy like Brian Flores, I'm not going to, you know, um, him taking the initiative to file this lawsuit is something that's possibly needed for the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. For, for there to be true change within the Rooney rule. You know, the Rooney rule, a lot of people, and I'm one of the people who agree that the Rooney rule is a bunch of BS. Mm-hmm. It's complete bullshit, right? Is let me check off this mark of, um, interviewing a minority to say I've done, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've checked off that box. You know, it has to take, it has to be kind of within the upper managed senior management ownership 
they have to want to embrace diversity, right? Yeah. Um, they have to want to embrace a guy who possibly has a different perspective on things, but is able to get the job done. So, um, I'm interested to see how this thing plays out. Um, for, for Brian Flores, you know, I think he, uh, is definitely a capable coach, you know, especially based off of what we see recycled. Um, there you, go, bro. you know, that's what it is from, from the NFL. Yeah. If, is, if yeah. we see what's recycled in the NFL on the, um, from a head coaching perspective, you know, you think about, um, I don't know. Let's think of, you know, um, not to be, you know, not to, to drag him into this, but let's look, think about, well, no, Ron Rivera had a, a 500 record, um, from care, you know, when he was let go from Carolina, yeah. but, you know, there's definitely been guys who, um, who, who've had a sub 500 record who, Who's got multiple second opportunity? Yeah, you yeah. look at Adam Gates, right? Look at, Adam Gates. Look, look at Josh from, McDaniels. I mean, Josh McDaniels always gets always is always talked about getting a good job. Yeah, he's, jo- he's always talked about. No, he's always talked about getting a, a um, another job. And one of the things that um, that's come out about Brian Flores is he was difficult to work with in Miami. Yeah. Right. And one of the things the the issues, and he even admitted this himself. Josh McDaniel was. He was difficult to work with in Denver. Yeah. Right. So that now he gets a second opportunity. You know, I don't think that um, when Josh McDaniels was let go from Denver, that you know all of these uh, salacious tidbits were released to the media about him being difficult to work with, or him wanting this, or him wanting that. But it's crazy how Brian Flores was essentially slandered after he was let go from the Miami Dolphins. This is why it's obvious. Essentially, an angry black man. Yeah, this is why it's obvious to me. Like, this is like, I mean, to me, it's wrongdoing. I don't care what it is, but like, you got, you took the, like, for two years in a row, this team has been a winning organization. You, with a rookie quarterback the second year, I mean, his third year, right? Um, look what he's done in two, two, like, two out of three years. I mean, two out of three seasons with that ball club. No one looked at that ball club as any, any world beaters, and he's, he, he had a winning record. You know, he could have went to the postseason this season. I mean, but, you know, they lost to Buffalo. They beat the Patriots. I believe they beat the Patriots twice. Beat the, you know, Jets like they did well in their division. Um, year before that, they almost made the postseason with Ron, um, if Ron Fitzpatrick doesn't go down, who was pretty much their best quarterback that season, that season, if he doesn't go down, they have a great chance to make the postseason. He's been a good coach. He's, he's has pedigree. He's come from New England and New England, and he's done, so you know he knows about, he's, he's, he's familiar about winning a championship because he was under Bill Belichick. Like, dude, he clicks, he checks all the boxes of a good head coach. So even if Miami doesn't want him, you would think another organization would be quick off the brakes to get him. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Bears would have, should have gotten him. There's so many dudes, like the Giants should have been, he should have had the Giants job. Like, I am annoyed that a coach with this caliber is not, Getting an opportunity. He's young. He's he's he has dudes playing hard. If you watch a Miami Dolphins team, you can't tell me them dudes don't play hard. Like you can't tell me they don't play hard. Like he is what you want in a coach. I don't care white, black, Hispanic. He is what you want in a coach, and he can't get a gig. Are you serious? Like I've heard people say oh. that people came out their mouths and say for for Washington, like he should be. Man, they should get him as a defensive coordinator for Washington. I was like, what? Hell no. Like he should be no, he should never take a, a coordinating job. 
should, should never downgrade himself to that way. He is a head coach, and he's a darn good head coach. So I, I'll push back a little bit on the Giants and the Bears job, uh-huh. only because, you know, with Tua, you, you saw that I'm not going to necessarily say there wasn't a plan to develop Tua, but you didn't see um, the – I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading Ray's. Uh, yeah, Jim Zorn. He said Jim Zorn. Yeah, got a head coach Jim Zorn got a got a head coach's job. Facts. No, one of the, you didn't. Yeah, that's facts. That's you, facts. you didn't see the progress. You didn't see the progression from Tua. So if I'm the what? Giants and I, no, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, right. hold on. If I'm the Giants and I'm the Bears, uh-huh. you conceivably do have questions about his ability to coach the offensive side of the ball, yeah. right? Because you didn't see the progress from Tua that you thought you would see from Tua. And you didn't necessarily see a game, a scheme, or a system that played to Tua's strength. And if those teams have quarter, young quarterbacks who they believe in, so conceivably you could have a question. You, um, I, I'm sorry people for laughing and Ray just said, Ray just said that the, uh, I can't. A very funny chat. <laughs> that I'm not going to relay. Don't relay. That I'm dog, not going to um, on, online. Cancel um, culture. Don't relay. <laughs> don't relay. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's you know, so, oh, you, you know, if you're the ownership, if you're the ownership and executive management of those two teams, you did have some question about his ability to groom a young quarterback who you believe in because you saw how he went through a different offensive coordinator every year. So you know, I will say, but like this is my point though. See, I think he did. I think Tua got better last season. If you look at his completion percentage, it was it was good, it was dope. Um, he won. Like Tua did. God, when he came back from that injury, he got on the winning streak. They were better with Tua. Like they had the what's the the other the back of uh, Brissett. I mean, the quarterback Brissett. As soon as Tua got back, they were a better football team. I thought he did well with, with Tua. Um, but year one, yeah, the year one was a little bit off, right? Because I felt like ownership wanted Tua to play, but he he would prefer Fitzpatrick to play. So you saw, you did see the the battle in your in year yes. two. You saw the battle, yes. but year three with Tua when he was the, he got the job. You, I, you say it's on Tua, or you say coaching, but they were a better team, and Tua got better as the season went on. And we talk about how, um, and I don't know if it was it was the GM and what was it was it Flores involved in someone picking some of the players, but we talk about with Jamar Chase and what they did with Burrow. They did the same thing with Tua and 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 um and Waddle, and you saw you saw it work out because them dude had them two had good chemistry, and Waddle had a great rookie season. So I, I thought Tua got better, to, in my opinion. I, I like Tua, so I, I I look at the stats, I, I check them out. Like Tua got better, um, but I know what you're saying. Like you may want an offensive mind for Daniel Jones. I get that. I'm not even gonna argue, but I do think under Flores, Tua was better in year three. I mean that. He he started to progress towards the, you know, towards the end of the season. Well, no, he Tua was strongest during the. Well, yeah, towards the end of the season, he was strong, bro. He was strong to the end. Yeah, yeah, he he started to progress. Yeah, because he had he was throwing for a seventy five percent completion percentage, and was one of the highest in for a stretch until he played Buffalo, and Buffalo was different. Buffalo was a different animal when it comes to that passing defense. But everybody else, he did work against man. He did work. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, how does how does Brian Flores situation um pans out. 
And two, watch out for the messaging in the media. And there, and I'm sure there'll be other uh, salacious or um, or stories that won't paint Brian Flores in the best light as a leader and as a head. I know coach. that's what I'm saying. Like that's what bothers me. Again, like you, you see the jobs that some of these coaches get. I mean, some of these other the um, some of the chances these other individuals get. Um, like you said, second chances, and even some who who have haven't you know the coordinators, but haven't shown you a lot. You know what I mean? Like the jobs they're getting. I mean, they, I mean, the Jacks yeah. better hire Jacks better hire Byron with uh, Byron Leftwich too. FYI, like I'm, I'm like so angry. It's, it knows, it's like Black History Month, but I'm like all over it right now. Nah, like, <laughs> it'd be no, it'll be interesting to see how also how this plays out. Um, Lane Kiffin, that's right, right? Lane Kiffin, yeah, with the no, it's interesting. That, um, it, well, I mean, it, it was going to be interesting because you know there was a thought that. The Miami job was Jim Harbaugh's to be had, yeah, um, because the connection between him and the owner. Yeah, but I think reports are starting to break that Jim Harbaugh's going to go to the Vikings. Yeah, Vikings. Are, yeah, Vikings. They say the Miami. A lot of people still think he may. There's a chance he'll go to Miami, but the Vikings look like they're the front runners right now. They do look like they're the front runners. Did it break? Yeah. They say that he's definitely going there. They say working on a deal right now. Um. So it's saying that uh, the plan is for him to become the next head coach of the Vikings. Okay. No, I mean, I, I, I knew Jim was – once I heard that he was thinking about it, I, I knew I, I knew he was going to leave Michigan. Jerk. But, I mean, <laughs> okay, we, no, I mean, but, but let's think about – let's think about – let's think about Jim Harbaugh, right? Mm-hmm. The same things that were said about Brian Flores yes. were said about Facts. Jim Harbaugh. I, you're right. You're so right. When, John, when Jim yes. Harbaugh was leaving San Francisco. San Francisco. So true. So true. Jim ain't easy to play. And he's, yeah, he ain't easy yeah, to work he's with. Got, and he's got, yeah, he's got, he's got a, he's got a, he's getting a second chance. Yes. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh has led a team to a Super Bowl and a team, and a team to three NFC championship games. Yeah, but see, this is the thing. Like, when we look at, or this is my issue. When you look at, like, Brian Flores is young, right? He's relatively young for a head coach, right? Like, you yes. got a young head coach who's over five, like, who's giving you two back-to-back winning seasons. You know what I'm saying? Fighting for playoff, playoff for a playoff spot, like that's rare, man. At, at a young to get a young coach to can do that, that's rare. I'm sorry, like you don't get that often. And to your point, Will, it's that's not true. like you giving him. It's not like he has, like you got a young quarterback. It's not like you got elite quarterback play right now, but it's a young quarterback. You dig what I'm saying? It's not a. It's not like you doing it with like Drew Brees or whatever. You're doing it basically with dudes who. Who are working hard? When you look at, we talk, I talk about here in DC. When you look at, like Washington's team, like you can, sometimes you're like, dang, like where the effort? Like y'all not putting enough effort. But we look at Miami, it's like they give you everything. Like their team, and that comes from the coach. Like that comes from the top. Like they're they're training these dudes the right way. They're coaching these dudes the right way to play that style of football. Yeah, and also um, to Brian Flores credit he also took over a, a roster yes. that was terrible there you go bro it was a horrible yes that's what i'm saying like you don't get that often bro that it annoys me it was annoying it was annoying that he was fired and it was annoying that he wasn't hired off already he to me he should have been the first dude hired the first dude you know what i'm saying like it's like this whole little cycle to his the cycle with like eric Bieniemy. you know what i mean like now like jackson was playing with byron leftwitz and like and brian brian flores man like these are actually like the like the real good coaches. They're real good coaches in the NFL. Shoot, uh, Jim Caldwell. Like, are you serious? 
Like, yeah, Jim Caldwell hasn't been able to get another opportunity, yeah, are you man. Serious? It's crazy. What you, this is it's insane, bro. It's insane. But yeah, it's time to like let's close the show out. Hey, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Uh, hit us hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene. Also, our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Make sure you like it. Make sure you subscribe to our Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel. Uh, check out the home of the Urban Sports Scene. Empire Media at AmpireMedia.com. And this show can be found on Podcast DC. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Empire Media shows as well as other great content. Hey, man, thank you all for listening for overtime with the Urban Sports Scene. Ray, you've been cracking me up with the tweets. I'm not, I mean, with the, the text. I'm not going to say what you've been texting, but they've been hilarious. I appreciate you. Hey, Will, always a pleasure. You know what I mean? We always oh, it was a pleasure day. to hang out with you guys, man. You know, it, guys are family to me. I love you both. Oh, man. I love you too, so. man. You know, and also to the folks. I mean, you know, again, happy Black History Month. It's the start. It's and, happy, and happy, and yep, happy what? February first is also happy Chinese New Year. Yes, happy Chinese 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 New Year. Is, is Bruce Lee Chinese? I didn't mean that. Let's end the show on that. Okay, I, let's I, end I the show on that. I don't mean it that in a rude way. I'm just saying. Because I like him. I know what. I'm not even doing that. Like, all right, you're right. Hey, hey, anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Team. For ages. Get it? Deuces. Hey, man, leave us out, big homie.